Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hello, Don. J.J. Yes. In general, without naming names. Okay. (laughs) This is going to be hard, I can tell. What sort of people give you life? What sort of people drain you? Um, Donna Miller and Betsy Miller. Oh, <laughs> no, name, no, name, no name, no name, no um, name. <laughs> I didn't say which which category you fell into. But <laughs> what sort of people give me life and what yeah, people I, I, drain energy? Me. I shouldn't say life. Ener- give yeah, me energy. Give me energy. Yeah. Creative people. Easy. That's an easy. Doesn't one matter what they're talking about. Anybody that's like kind of passionate about creating something. something. Yeah, it can be a movie. It can be a fence in your backyard, and you're just excited about it. I love being around people who are creative. They inspire creativity in me and inspire me not just to be creative, but get crap done. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Who drains you? Who drains me? People who play the victim. I mean, we've talked about that a lot. Play the victim, not victims. Not victims. Play the victim. Yes. Play the victim. (laughs) So I might be texting a friend who I haven't texted in a while and it'll be like, well, I know you're super busy and other people are more important. And and it's like, yeah, we're done. And it's like, do you want, we're not going to hang out then. Like, if you're trying to guilt me into this, like, I love you, but once you start moving that way, I'm done. Like, because it just saps the energy from me. Yeah, that whole shame thing. It's an energy drain for sure. It's the fastest energy drain. Yep, that's the fastest. You know, for sure. For me, anybody who goes into the weeds and and gives (laughs) me enormous amounts of information I don't need. Yeah. I literally, I'm just, I, my head starts to spin a little bit. I start to feel a little bit nauseous. Isn't that awful? And there's not very many people yeah. like that. Everybody listening to go, yeah. well, I do that. You, know, you don't. Well, and I you, guarantee you, you do not. And you say that, but like, and that is true, but it, that's in most contexts. But like, if you're sitting in the backyard, relaxing, talking to somebody, you can kind of shoot the, you know, bull and enjoy that time. Yeah. But like when you're in a business space or when you're moving or during the day, it's kind of like, give me that, give me that quick, yeah. you know, sometimes you like project this image of like that you can't sit down and talk with people and that's what's not true but yes, it's actually I working because everybody leaves me alone <laughs> nobody alone, looks me but, in the eye but yeah no that i mean i enjoy people who are curious you know we've talked about this before so creative and curious so people when people want to not just like it's not that they're just asking questions about me but i can see like they're trying to learn about a new something right like i'll be talking about my study or my research, and they're genuinely curious about that, and we're kind of going into the conversation. Because I like to do that with people. I met this friend the other day who is like a specialist on this one U.S. composer. He's spent his entire life studying one composer and transposing music for that composer as a hobby and ended up getting flown to Switzerland to hear like this orchestra perform a piece that he had transposed for the first time ever and then he doesn't do that for a living it's just on the side and i've gone to coffee with him like three times just to hear and now he's actually he's an expert on yeah he's an expert on jackson pollock you know famous painter and we just sit down he just starts talking about jackson pollock and i'm like you are unbelievable i'm just so curious about everything that you know so anybody who's creative who's curious those things really give me life because i think that's where i try to live a lot of my space well our guest today is dr john townsend and he's one of my favorite people i've known john for about 10 years or more he's brilliant and he actually has a not a formula he has a list of things that give you energy and a list of things that drain you as a generalist, as human beings. Uh And he basically says, why not go into relationships intentionally 
doing the things that give you energy and avoiding the things that don't. So not tasks, because there's a lot of stuff out no. there that like tasks that give you energy, or, or but this is actually in relationship and with people. Yeah, so he would talk about, he doesn't call them victims, but he would talk about a category of person that is going to drain you, yeah. and it's very much like a victim. And these are the things you want to look for. And so literally, I did that interview yesterday. Uh-huh. This morning, I had a 7 a.m. breakfast with somebody. And actually, at the end of the interview, I tell... Dr. Townsend, I say, look, I have a mild social anxiety with people that I don't know super well with acquaintances mm-hmm. when we're one-on-one and having to have personal conversations. So it's not big, but I've finally recognized, I think that's a mild social anxiety. You're worried. And of course, he would say, well, everybody has that. But And then he gave me some tips on getting through it. Had breakfast this morning. It was great. Nice. It was really great. I really, I, you know, because I've got to learn to enjoy these things. Yeah, we learn so much from these. We do. It's free. It's free consulting. Everybody here gets to listen to Don and JJ's therapy sessions. Yeah, for real. With business leaders. For real. His book is called People Fuel. I found the book and the conversation just incredibly helpful. Here's my conversation with Dr. John Townsend. Dr. John Townsend, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Don. You and I have known each other a long time. I don't know if you know this about me. I consider myself pretty much an introvert, not an extreme introvert. I can't figure out whether people give me energy or drain me. They may give me energy sometimes and they drain me sometimes. What I know is the older I get, the bigger my company gets, the more impact I want to have. People are hours and hours of every single day and any tip and trick on you know, getting energy from people instead of being drained is something I desperately need. So your book, People Fuel, is coming at the right time for me. Can you tell me what caused you to write this book? Sure. It's just been working with leaders in corporations, nonprofits, family-owned business, everything, Don, over the years, and noticing that, you know, if you're a leader, you need energy. Everybody is. We're all kind of ADD. We're all kind of like on the brink of exhaustion. There's so much going on. It's not all bad stuff, but we all need energy. And I started looking at Okay, what can give a leader maximum optimum energy? And so I went through the normal route you go. Okay, you got to get right nutrition. You got to sleep right. Right. You've got to, you know, work out. You got to have a positive attitude and all these sorts of things. But then I started looking at the neuropsych research because most of what I study now from optimizing leaders is neuropsych because the brain is kind of the frontier of how do you get motivation? How do you get energy? How do you get everything? And I found out so much of what makes a person creative and focused and positive and persevering and resilient is the quality of the relationships they have with other people. Enormous research about that. In other words, along with all the other things we just talked about, good sleep, good nutrition, positive attitude, you've got to have the right people in your life. And you've got to know, not more than that, you've got to know what to do with the right people in life because everybody goes, yeah, okay, I got friends, check. No, it's not like that. There's another thing going on. Okay, well, I'm curious about you know the right people, the wrong people. Long, long time ago, probably through your influence, I realized or you know kind of came face to face with the idea that there are some people who are are more takers than they are givers, and they were draining. <laughs> you know, now we call them gains and drains. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the terminology you use, gains and drains? Yeah, you want to maximize the gains and minimize the drains. And also, I want to be a gain, and I don't want to be a drain. That was a huge epiphany for me, just to say, literally, and, and no harm done, no judgment. I've never had a single negative fallout of this, but slowly saying, okay, the drains, I'm going to spend less and less time with them, 
and the gains. And, you know, I know there's a bunch of probably people pleasers listening who are saying, oh, I can't do that. It made an enormous difference for me. Yeah. An enormous difference. I'm curious, though, what are the general characteristics of a gain and what are the general characteristics of a drain? In the book, I've got a model called the seven C's, Don, which yeah. talks about how to go from maximum gain people and then sort of evaluate your drains. And it's a very simple model. Should I just share that? Please do. Okay. You want to go with the top level and the seven C's. It all starts with C to make it easy to memorize. Right. Is the first C is coaches. And coaches are those people who have that Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours of things you don't have, like uh, right. you know, executive coaches coaches, life coaches, marriage coaches, organizational coaches. I have a workout coach. If you saw me on video, you'd probably want to fire him. But the idea is <laughs> people that give us stuff that don't need anything from us, maybe to pay them or a check or whatever, but they give us lots of things because they have experience we don't have. Right. Second level, though, is called comrades. And comrades is what I talk about in my model called the life team. Comrades are those people, and I think it's somewhere between three and ten people in your life, Don. And really? That few? I mean, you're not just acquaintances or buddies from high school? Not for the maximum energy, not for maximum organization, because you got to spend time with people, quality and quantity time, to really get the most out of the relationships. So these three to ten people... Now, maybe they live in another state or country, but in some way, they like you, you like them, shared values, you're vulnerable with your life with them, and they're vulnerable with you. You actually have eight characteristics of a comrade, and I don't want to bog down in the weeds, but they just look fantastic. First of all, it's shared essential values, and emphasis probably on the word essential, right? Yeah, because you don't want somebody who believes exactly the same way you do about everything. That gets You really get ingrown. But the basic look at life is, you know, life is about giving, and life is about performance and people, and life is about excellence and integrity. You got to have sort of same values of that as opposed to, you know, I believe in taking more than giving. So shared essential values you got to start with. And then engagement and growth on some structured level. You know, I never thought to actually call that a characteristic, but to me, it is the number one characteristic of whether I'm going to get energy from you or not is are you trying to move forward or progress in some way? And it doesn't matter. I can sit with somebody who's trying to do that athletically, and I'm trying to do it in business, and we'll still have great conversation because there's such overlap. We're just trying to become transformed a better version of ourselves. Yeah, it's basically, are they committed to doing some behaviors about self-improvement as opposed to just kind of floating through life? I've got lots of floating through life friends. I love them. I go out with them for a burger and a beer, but I don't commit my life to those. I want people who want to improve and challenge themselves and challenge me. All right. Number three, a stance of four. I'm guessing that's they're a positive and they're for you. They want to be for me. Even if I screw up, even I'm, I come in with, I made a bad business decision. They say, look, you screwed up, John, but I want you to win. I don't want you to lose. I want people around me that are for me. Okay. Number four, vulnerability. It's probably one of the top of all is done is I can really unpack my weaknesses, my insecurities, my failures, and they unpack theirs. I don't want some relationship where I'm the one who's got the problems. and They're saying, OK, I'm Superman. I'll help you. I don't need that. I need somebody mutual who is vulnerable as well as I am. That's where the transformation happens. I remember a couple of relationships early on where I was vulnerable at the beginning and they were a mentoring figure. And then as I got stronger and more healthy, you know, thank God then uh, we became more equals, and they were pretty much out of the relationship at that point. They were not going to be mutually vulnerable. It was a one-way street. What they're saying is, we just like to be a coach, but we don't want to be vulnerable to other people. And that's fine if you want to coach, but I need a team around me. Well, and sometimes, and it's been the case for me, sometimes those people were actually hiding something, and it came out you know, in other ways. Right. All right, number five, truthfulness. Well, I want somebody to tell me when I'm doing good, or, or they go, you know, 
you're not handling the strategy of your business well, or you know, you're making some bad market decisions. I need to know it. I don't want to drive my car off a cliff and somebody just say, you know, how's the paint job? How do you invite that into your life? Because you know, as most of our listeners are people of impact, and as they gain more and more impact, people tell them less and less. I would think. I mean, that seems like that's what's happened to me. It's very true. You get more what are called sycophants. They just kind of you know rubber stampers. And you really have the higher you get. Some corporations I work with, you know, the uh, several billion dollars. The CEO will tell me. I need the truth, and I have to help them to be more intentional and more persistent in getting the truth from the right people. They have to really sit down and say, what I tell them is, you have to tell your people, at every substantive conversation, at every meaningful conversation, you need to tell me the truth before we're gone. You can tell me how things are going great and we're crushing it, but if you do nothing but just kind of affirm me and don't tell me any truth, you're not bringing value to me. You really have to insist on it. That's really great. I mean, one of the questions I like to ask, at least in key leadership meetings, is there anything in my blind spot that I'm not seeing, just personally or professionally? Mutuality. What does this mean, mutuality? Well, what it means is we're back to the you don't want them to be your coach, that you know how their business is going, you know how their life is going, and you know what else? You know how their marriage is going and how their kids are going. You got a kid who's smoking dope and you're struggling with that. I want to be around three to 10 people that say, let's talk about your kid and my kid. So it's all of life because really I only grow and I only perform to the level I'm connected. And if I've got these little secret pockets that only God knows, I'm not going to get there. I've got to also have those three to 10 people to say, you're safe with me. And I'll, I'll tell you what I'm struggling with. And you tell me what you're struggling with. And then the magic happens. Yeah. Seven chemistry. Huge. Well, yeah. I mean, you it's don't want to It's not. Yeah. You don't want to wake <laughs> up and say, oh, I got to meet with Sam today. Oh my gosh. It's like, you know, colonoscopy, but they're good for me. You know, you, you want to enjoy it. Look forward to them. And that's that kind of indefinable. I've got to really like them. Yeah. And then number eight, finally, availability. These are all, by the way, characteristics, if you don't remember, of comrades. These are your three to 10 friends. Availability. For somebody to be a real comrade, it's sort of like dosages of medicine. You've got to have enough interaction with them, either by text or phone or Skype or face-to-face, you know, like at least on a monthly level, because you need stuff. If you've got a great friend and you only talk to them once a year, it's hard to say how they're going to bring the value you need. So are they available? Do they have time for you? Do you have time for them? Probably a year, year and a half ago, I realized that most of the people closest to me were people that I work with. They were people who financially depended on the company that we're running and those kinds of things. And it, it was fine. Everything was very healthy. But I realized, like I said earlier, I'm getting less and less of people telling me what's in my blind spots because there's too much at stake. And I actually put together a group I jokingly called the advisory board. And it was, let's see, it's about eight or nine of us. And we all run companies. We're all high-impact people. We're all moving forward. We're all these characteristics. And I did that not because I was lonely, but because I wanted somebody who would tell me the truth and express all these things. I'm going to take these characteristics to that group, and I'm going to say these need to be more or less our core values. Let me tell you what else you did right, Don, in the advisory group is that you got out of the bubble and leaders, a lot of times, their core relationships are at work. And there's a problem there because how do you be very vulnerable with somebody that's writing your checks? or some, deciding on your promotions. You put this governor on your head and go, well, I, I can't talk about that. That might affect my comp package. But if you get out of the business and say, I'll find these people, I have a whole system for helping a CEO find the right people, then it's like, 
you know, hey, we got the cone of silence here. We're confidential, and I can really help you grow and vice versa. You got to get out of the bubble. Well, I did that, and it's been amazing. Okay, we're going through the seven C's, coaches, comrades, and then casuals. Existential in the moment, people. You know, your next-door neighbor that's a nice guy, or, you know, your kids play soccer together in the team, and you just see them at the events. You see them a few times a year. You just like them because everybody needs kind of that shot of Prozac. Like, you know, <laughs> hey— How's it going? They're just positive people. And also, there are people you can evaluate to see, should they be on my life team? Should they be a comrade? I'm curious about this in your life, and I think it might be true of a lot of people listening. There are probably a lot of casuals of Dr. John Townsend who want to be comrades and who are essentially like salmon swimming upstream trying to get close to you. How do you deal with that? I mean, you're somebody who can't possibly have the bandwidth for the number of people who want to spend time with you. How do you interact with that? Well, the first pass, I'd say, you ought to talk to my wife about this before you think of those thoughts. But (laughs) 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 See see the real thing. But you kind of run around and people say that. And what I always say is I have a bandwidth problem, you know, really like our relationship. But no, I can't meet with you on a monthly level. But I say, you know, I'm happy to meet on a, you know, quarterly or yearly level. And some of them kind of get upset with that. And I'll just say, here's some other organizations that you can talk to. Most people go, yeah, that's cool. And that's fine. You just have to be nice about it. It's mutually casual. It's mutually casual. And we just kind of watch life go by and have a good time. All right. Colleagues. Are there any characteristics of colleagues that we should be including in our lives? Oh, goodness. As people who want to be high impact leaders, there are three things that have come up over and over again, Don. One is they've got to be competent. They've got to know what they're doing. They've got to be subject matter experts. You've got to insist on excellence if you were part of the hiring. Number two, they've got to be relational. They've got to have good engagement, good EQ, good culture. And number three, they've got to be able to work on teams because work is done on teams now with you know the availability of the web all over the world. And if they can't collaborate and give up the diva idea, things don't happen. So look for competence, look for relationability, and look for teams. I love it. Okay, care. They need to provide for others. Yeah, well, there's this people in the world, Don, that will always be without, and your heart goes out to them. And, you know, we're people who... You know, we've been given so much, and we owe it to the world to help it out. It might mean, you know, helping to uh, build well water wells in a developing country. It might be working with sex slavery around the world, mentoring a business leader who's just coming up and trying to trying to find their way. It might be helping people who are trying to start charities. But we all have to serve, and those people that are care deserve something from us. We're supposed to give back. We've been given a lot. Are you intentionally including relationships with? pastors, priests, uh, heads of organizations who are giving to the world? Is that where the care category comes in and you need people like that in your life? No, I meant like actually organizations that you're committing to your time and resources and money to. Oh, got it. Like I'm on board of, you know, causes that I believe in. Yeah. And, you know, you mentor people who have never paid you for what they're doing, but you just do it because you have a heart for them and you want to develop it. So it's sort of like me giving my hands on as well as my expertise, as well as my money to certain causes that I believe in. I'll be back with the rest of my conversation with Dr. John Townsend in just a second. Hey, do you know the difference between being aggressive and assertive? If you are aggressive, you're going to offend people. If you're aggressive, you're going to wreck relationships. If you're aggressive, you're going to make people not like you. However, if you are assertive, people will respect you. You will get things done. But both actually create a sense of conflict. They create tension. There is actually good tension you can create. There's actually a study done in high schools. 
And the most popular kids in the high school, the 14% or so that were most popular, were actually assertive, not aggressive. So you can actually cause tension and become popular, more liked, more respected. Of course, it works for adults too. The reason I go into that is because I teach that in one of my Business Made Simple videos. It's just a three to five minute video that goes out every morning, five days a week, and it's all free. Every day, I teach a business tip that is designed to make you money, save you money, or somehow advance your career. If you aren't being developed, if you aren't being coached, if nobody is pouring into you and you are pouring into others, you're going to end up feeling empty real soon. I want to pour into you and it's going to be free. Just go to businessmadesimple.com and sign up for that daily free video. Go to businessmadesimple.com and get a daily free short video that has wisdom that will make you money, save you money, or advance your career. Go to businessmadesimple.com right now. We've got five here that are really positive and wonderful. I love that you've actually included a couple that you need to categorize as well and understand. The first of the two is chronics. Yeah. You know, I raised my kids and got married in California, but I'm really from the South originally. And, and we call those the uh, bless their heart people. <laughs> <laughs> and, I met those people. And, yeah. Well, it has to do with people that, you know, they're struggling in life. Maybe they're struggling in their business or in their marriage or their kids or their self-help or finances or whatever. And they have these chronic problems over and over and over again. And they go to you, the high-impact leader, because you're smart and you care. And they have lunch after lunch after lunch. And all everybody I work with has the same experience. And you give them advice. And you spend time with them. And you support them. And you check in on them. And you give them this homework assignments. And nothing happens. And they come back with the same problems over and over again. In the world of psychology, where I'm coming from, we call it, they have a flat learning curve. Ooh, I've never heard that. I usually just call them victim mindset, you know. Okay. Well, yeah, it's kind of similar. They're nice people, but they, you know, you jack them up and they're excited and they come back for the next week. Well, did you solve your problem? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> did you do what I said? Uh, no, I was busy. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Why did I spend all this time with you? And the problem is that we're very vulnerable to that because we believe in people and we want to help. And you spend enormous amounts of time with a chronic who has a flat learning curve. Yeah. And then finally, contaminants. Yeah, unfortunately, there's some dark people out there that aren't chronics. Chronics are just harmless. They're just kind of foolish. Contaminants are bad people, Don. Unfortunately, we have bad people in the world. They're not just hurt people. They're bad people. And they, they might want to destroy your company or they might want to destroy your, your self-image or your, your marriage or whatever. So you got to have very, very, very strong limits and boundaries with those people. What do you do with a contaminant? Do you formally say, I'm out? Yeah. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you got to call the police. I mean, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, depending, I'll just say, you know, our values are very different. And I'm a three guy, Don. I always say, look, I've had three conversations with you about this, about what you did with the money, or about the lying, or about the whatever you did. And I haven't seen any real substantial change in three times. So we're going to set some very strong limits on our time together. It's not good for me or my company or my people. I interviewed Pete Carroll years ago, and he said he throws three ropes. And then I said, what do you do after the person doesn't take the third rope? And he said, that person has self-selected to drown. I didn't know Pete did that. I'm a big fan of his, but I'm not saying I'm a three-person. Can I tell you, like, the conclusions when people see this model? Yeah. They all go, they look at the seven from top to bottom. And the first thing they say is, dang, I'm bottom heavy. Now, I don't mean physically, but they go, oh, man, I got so many chronics and care. I'm on 20 boards, and I got these people that – and I'll go – 
you got too many chronic contaminants in care. And look at your top. They'll go, I got nobody really mentoring me anymore. I'm mentoring the world. And all I got is my spouse and one guy I play golf with and my dog, Max. And so <laughs> the only people I talk to are Max, this one dude, and my spouse. And then I'll be doing this at a conference, Don, and people come up to sign books or whatever. And the spouses will come up and they'll go, Thank you. I'm getting so tired. Can't he get some more people in his life? (laughs) So that's the idea. You got to build up the life team. You got to have good max and you got to have a great spouse and friend, but you got to build up a life team. That's the big takeaway of the book. Talk to me about before and after. I imagine you realized all this through not just research, but also through personal experience. What does a life look like when you're being drained compared to a life looks like when you're being poured into? You look at leadership in terms of functions that it takes to, you know, run an organization, have impact. And you look at things like energy. You look at things like creativity. You look at things like focus, resiliency, and mood. Now, what happens is beforehand, you'll kind of say, gosh, there's energy problems. There's some focus problems. I get distracted easily by all this. I'm irritable sometimes and I shouldn't be. What happened to my mood? I just look at those categories and I find a dramatic and a significant difference in the leaders I work with between the time they didn't have a, a team like that, a comrades, and they did have it. And they go, I'm kind of back. I, yeah. I want to get up in the morning. I'm ready to go because I got people that fueled me. And that's why the book's called People Fuel. I so love it. We tend to not think about this. Like you said, when we started the interview, you th- I think a lot about nutrition. I think a lot about sleep. I think about alcohol. When I drink alcohol, if I have something important coming up, I'll spend a couple days and won't have anything to drink. Literally one drink will wake me up at three in the morning. So I have to pretty much not do that. I don't think about the people part of it. I literally don't think about the relational aspect of giving me nutrients. Yep. It's a really great sort of paradigm shift for us all. Yeah. Well, the book is called People Fuel. One of my favorite authors, one of my favorite thinkers, Dr. John Townsend. The book is out now. Doc, there's a lot to think about here. You know, so much has changed for me. I've actually put together one group called the Advisory Board. We've met a couple times. And now there's another group that somebody else put together that I joined called the Goodness Group. And it's basically exactly what you've outlined here. And everything has changed. Everything has changed since then. Because I was the guy who my best friend was my wife. My second best friend was a chocolate lab named Lucy that my wife called my first wife. (laughs) 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 And that was it. And I was very rich in relationships because it was all the people that I worked with. And I just kind of went, you know, I don't know that this is perfectly healthy. It was also kind of selfish because everybody I was close friends with were helping me accomplish my objectives. <laughs> well, you know, you know, on top of that, here's the problem. Let me tee off of that. Yeah. Because I'll get with the leader and I'll say, let me evaluate your life and your business. And I'll say, you know, okay, you don't have enough right relationships. And they'll say, I've got a million relationships. I'll say, let me ask you a question. The last time there was a group, what happened in that group? You went and they'll go, I led the group. I end up leading the group. And you end up being the leader and facilitator because of giftedness and qualities and character. But it's never mutual. And I'm saying you got to get people where you take the hat off and this is just us. That's where the gains. Well, for me, I'll lead the group and it's a defense mechanism. Exactly. It's me hiding. Exactly. The shtick of this podcast, I'm going to let it out of the bag here, is that I get free counseling on the air and other people get to listen uh, to <laughs> with people who would be, otherwise be very expensive. What do you do with mild social anxiety? One of the reasons, you know, I'm getting breakfast with a guy tomorrow is I do often, you know, a couple times a week with different people. The night before, I'll start stressing out about it. And the reason is I feel like I'm that Enneagram three, right? I I feel like I'm going to have to perform and there can't be any silent gaps in the conversation. And so there's a big part of me, Doc, that just goes, 
I'd rather not have the breakfast because it's exhausting. I don't think I'm alone. I, I think that's a vulnerable confession that roughly 70% of the listeners actually experience. What do you say to that guy? There's a lot of great research out there, and, and it's very, very, very resolvable now, fortunately. We know a lot more about social anxiety or what we, we would call sometimes mild social phobia as well. One thing you've got to do that's really helpful to get with somebody that's safe for you and that's a good person and just tell them, sometimes I get nervous because I feel like I'm kind of on stage and I need to perform and say the right things and just have that person tell you, you don't need to do anything for me. You could just sit here and just like eat oatmeal and like talk about nothing because I just want to be with you. No problem. And all of a sudden you've taken in one piece of emotional data. I mean, the brain needs data that says, hey, Sam is one other voice in my head besides the Don's got to perform voice. There's also somebody says, just hang out. You could just be quiet the whole time. So you got to start getting a couple of those people in your head and just be vulnerable and say, do you feel that way about me? Because I feel like i got to perform and make everybody happy and give everybody wisdom. And they go, I don't need that from you. Yeah. And so that's one thing. Well, piece. even just admitting it, right? I mean, just admitting it makes half of it go away, as with so many other things. Maybe more about 30%. 30%. Okay. How do we get the rest? The second thing is you walk through the catastrophe. Huh. We found out with um, the social anxiety is sometimes you just kind of face the catastrophe in your head and walk through with somebody and you go, I could survive that, which would be, okay. Now, Don, is yours more about crowds of 10,000 or is it about lunch with somebody? Where is you it more? put me in front of 10,000 people, I get energy and I'm excited and I'm happy. You put me in front of one person, one-on-one, -on -one, who is not an old friend. Old friends are a completely different category. We're talking about new acquaintances. Also, business one-on-ones are perfectly fine. If we're talking about your marketing message, I will leave feeling like I've been plugged into a wall. I am so excited. But as soon as we go into, you know, Don, how's life? How's things at home? By the way, things at home are wonderful. And the thing is, I think we all get energy from places where we are competent. Yeah. When it comes to business or on a stage, I feel very competent. One-on-one, -on -one, sharing each other's hearts, getting to know each other a little bit. I fear I'm going to let you down eventually if you become friends with me. It's basically a control issue. That sounds familiar. Part of me is afraid that if there's not some structure and agenda on the conversation, I could say something that wouldn't be helpful, be taken the wrong way, alienate somebody, let them down. Exactly. So the anxiety says, should I think of three things before I go into that lunch just to make sure that I cover them? <laughs> and, and then it's not a real relationship. Now anymore. there's an agenda. <laughs> right. And this is the second key about the catastrophe. Control has to be you know, we're going to ramble because I'm a good person and they're a good person and they're safe and I'm safe and we're going to get to know each other. Now, if you're with, you know, somebody that should be in federal prison, well, that's different, right? <laughs> but just a kind of a decent person you're trying to get to know. And you can't tell them everything about your right, life. Right, you, right. That's only for certain people. But, you know, I'm just kind of rambling life and get to know them and ask them questions and tell them some things about me. And I want to enjoy that. Then you've given up the control. Then it gets more real and naturally anxiety goes down. I love it. Those are very good tips. Anything else on that? Yeah, go incremental. Sometimes people like to role play. I'm a big fan of role play with leaders. Practice a conversation with somebody that you're really very close to and just say, okay, how would it go? And then they act like, you know, the new client or the new business relationship or whatever. And you go, oh, okay, that kind of went okay. We just spent five minutes acting like we're having lunch and I can do this because the more incremental we are, the more we feel normalized and anxiety goes down. So those things work very well. I'm looking forward to putting that into practice tomorrow morning at breakfast. Good. Dr. Townsend, thanks so much. You've been a gift to us for a very long time. I'm grateful to know you. The book, again, is People Fueled, available on Amazon or wherever you buy books. You want to grab that today. This has been super, super helpful. Anything else that you want to tell us about? Well, tell us about, first of all, the Institute 
and tell us about the community that you've built across the country. Yeah, we have an academic arm, Don, and we have a professional growth arm for leaders. The academic arms, we have the Townsend Institute, where you can get a, a master's in organizational leadership, that a master's so cool. in coaching or consulting, and a master's in counseling. What school is that through? We're partnered with Concordia University very in nice. Irvine, California, nice. yeah. a private university out there. It's all online, but I'm very involved. We have lots of classroom things, and we have fellows, people that are you know who've accomplished great things come and talk to our students, like you know our mutual friend Henry Cloud and yep. Jim Daly from Focus on the Family, and, and people accomplish great stuff. And then we have our professional arm, not the academic arm, which is a Townsend Leadership Program, where we have directors who train leaders in small groups all around the country. You commit to a small group for a year at a time, one day a month, and we take you through your stretch goals and your EQ. And how are you doing in your strategy in life and your business? So we're holistic in helping people learn how to grow in their business as well as their personal life. And we got leaders trained everywhere. Where can we find out more about both those? DRTownsend.com. DRTownsend.com. Doc, thank you. Thanks, Don. JJ, you give me life. We oh, we, we check these you. boxes. We do. We really do. <laughs> we do. We're we hanging really out do. on Saturday. I mean, we're we going to the soccer game. We're going to the soccer game on Saturday. That's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm getting better at this. <laughs> I'm getting better at this. And like I said, at the end of the interview, yeah. I got free counseling for yeah. my breakfast. I just had that breakfast this morning. It went well. Yeah. Story loop closed. Yes. Now, the guy I was with was also a really great conversationalist, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that helps. Yeah. But no social anxiety. And Saturday, we'll have whiskey, so it'll Saturday, be- <laughs> we'll have- Yeah. The, the ballpark that we go to these soccer games at, we, own, we have a- Storyman has a suite at the soccer game. It's a USL team. They go MLS next year. Yeah. And it's at the ballpark. It's at the baseball park, and they have a bourbon slushie. Yes. And so here's here's the thing. If you don't read People Fuel and you don't learn to do this stuff to overcome your social anxiety, a bourbon slushie takes you a <laughs> lot of the way there. A lot of the way there. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's latest record, Dive Deep Hushed, on Spotify or on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.